Fantasy football is back, and you don't want your team to suck. My favorite fantasy football punishment I've ever heard is the last place guy had to spend 24 hours in a waffle house, and every <laughs> waffle he ate was one hour off of his count. I want numbers. How many did he end up eating? 12 waffles in 12 hours. <laughs> I'm Danny Heifetz. I'm Danny Kelly. And I'm Craig Horlbeck. We host the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. To avoid eating 12 waffles in a waffle house, follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what, what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. The Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel and FanDuel Sportsbook, as well as the Ringer Podcast Network, where we launched the Ringer Gambling Show. If you missed Wednesday's podcast, Warren Sharp, Ben Solak, a lot of uh, future stuff. Really, really good podcast. I'm so glad we put those two together. And then Joe House and Sharp are going to be on Friday's pod, which should be up probably a little bit after this one goes up. But they're going to be looking at week one picks. Don't ever forget House is the worst gambler on the planet. So you get to hear him again. Just go against him. Just be bizarro House. You'll be fine. You'll make some money this year. Uh, speaking of making money, million dollar picks coming up in a second. Me and Peter Schrager. First, I'm going to talk at the top about Bucks, Cowboys. Our first football game of the year. So excited. So excited. So excited. Let's go. Let's bring in the guys from Pearl Jam. Here we go. All right, taping this a little after nine o'clock on Thursday. Just watch Bucks Cowboys. Wanted some quick thoughts before we get to uh, Schrager and Million Dollar Picks. I kept this spot open at the top of the pod, just kind of hoping that this game was going to be good. It was incredible. It was so much fun. I don't know whether I missed the NFL or whether this game was awesome or both, but, um, you know, the big takeaways this is a 1A and a 1B for me. The 1A is Dak looked pretty good. You know, I, I, I had my real doubts about how is he going to feel like with guys rolling around his feet? Is his shoulder all right? I didn't feel like his arm was 100%, but he was really good in this game. And for the Cowboys to move the ball up and down the field, they'd, he threw for 403 yards, 58 passing attempts. They had no rushing game at all. 
Elliott was 11 for 33. But for them to move the ball like they did against, I think, a top five defense for Tampa um, is really encouraging for Dallas. So two questions answered for me. One, how's Dak going to look? He looked, he looked really good with some room for some upside as he gets 100% healthy over the course of the year, hopefully. And then second, I had no idea what to do with the NFC East. I was thinking Washington and maybe Washington will still be the pick. I even, I think, bet on Washington a little bit, but I just thought I didn't trust the Dallas thing. I didn't trust Dak. Um, I didn't think their defense was going to be good. And by the way, it's really not good. But their offense is so good that, you know, you got to default to what does somebody do the best, whether it's like in the league, in the conference, or in their own division. Dallas's offense is going to be better than anything else in the NFC East. And this is a perfect scenario for our, the rest of us who aren't Cowboys fans, where it's like Dallas is really entertaining. We don't actually have to worry about them winning a Super Bowl because they won't. But they're really entertaining. They're in the mix. I love watching C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb ended with, he was seven for 104. It felt like he could have had more. I thought Dak missed him a couple times. Uh, he, had, he had at least one, like there was a miscommunication, but it just seemed like he was open all game. And, you know, it's so funny. Everybody does so much homework now before the year and we all have like the same fantasy sleepers. I think everybody pretty much agreed C.D. Lamb was going to be awesome this year. Then he had the Hard Knocks informational video and it's like, oh yeah, C.D. Lamb and people are spending big money on him in auctions and stuff. And then you watch him in the game. It's like, oh yeah, this makes sense. This guy's incredible. He had that one play where it was like the fake hesitation screen that I'm not sure I've ever seen before. I pray to God Andy Reid doesn't incorporate that with the Tyreek Hill playbook. But he kind of stopped. And then all of a sudden, he just blew by <laughs> whoever the D-back was and was able to get the touchdown. But holy shit. So he looked great. And if you're a Cowboys fan, you just got to be psyched that the team's going to be fun to watch. Now, you also have Mike McCarthy as your coach. I don't know whether I can say Dallas gave away this game despite all the dumb field goal decisions. I would have basically never kicked a field goal if it was fourth and three or less, which they were in that situation a couple of times. I just think whenever they wanted, it seemed like they could get four yards, five yards with their passing. But um, some bizarre coaching decisions on the McCarthy side, I'm sure they'll be litigated ad, ad nauseum on the TV shows the next day. So I don't, wanna, I don't feel like they necessarily 100% gave away the game because on the flip side, Tampa is putting away the game with four minutes left, 4.52. Godwin does the spin move near the two-yard line. What are the odds that's going to work out? And ends up helmet on the ball, fumbles. And instead of them about to go up, it would have been 34.26 with either the, the PAT or the two-point, whatever they decided to do, probably PAT. Um, all of a sudden, Dallas has the ball back. Dallas comes down. Now, here's, if I'm a Dallas fan, here's the part that haunts me. They get the first down on the third and 11 to C.D. Lamb. And then they have that weird series where it's like first down, kind of a hesitation play where all of a sudden he's throwing CD Lamb, throws it over his head. Second down, Zeke, I think, runs for like five. Third down, hold. And then third down again, they get to play over the middle to set up a field goal. But they get a first down there, the game's over. So, you know, as everyone's blowing the, blowing the Cowboys offense, and I, I just did it for a couple of minutes there, if you're really the best offense in the league, which they're not, but maybe they have a chance to be the best offense in the NFC, get the first down on that. You have to. The game's over if you get the first down. All right, so I guess a moral victory for the Cowboys 
because their fans didn't really know what to expect. You're thinking, is this a seven and 10 team, eight, nine, nine and eight. Now you're thinking we have one of the best offenses in the league. We have receivers that are open all over the place. We actually had some really fun designs on some of the plays and guys moving around. And I thought there was some actual creativity in like the Jason Garrett era. So if you're a Dallas fan, you're like, we can win the division. Uh, we'll see what happens with Washington. They played the Chargers on Sunday. They might have gotten lucky with uh, an Austin Eckler injury. We'll see if he plays on Sunday. But um, but we'll know more when we watch Washington. It's hard for me to believe Washington's defense is better than Dallas's offense. Um, and then you look at the Dallas schedule the rest of the way. It's tough to start at 0-1. But, you know, they got the Chargers next week at L.A. There's gonna That game is basically going to be a home game for them. That would be all Dallas fans. Eagles at home Monday night, Carolina at home, Giants at home. It's it's realistic they're going to be three and two or four and one if they can keep everybody healthy. I, I you know I think the Chargers are good, but I think that's going to be a really tough game for the Chargers. It's a bummer to have a home game where the other team has all the fans. So if they can get they can get out of that four and one, they play at the Pats week six bye, and then Dallas goes at Vikings. Broncos, Falcons home. Then they have a really tough stretch at Chiefs, Thanksgiving game against the Raiders, at Saints, at Washington. But then they finish at Giants, home Washington on a Sunday night, home Cardinals at Eagles. From what I saw tonight, if they can stay healthy, I think they can go 9 and 8, 10 and 7. And that might be enough in the NFCs. Now, if Washington's good too, who knows? Maybe it'll be a dogfight. But um, Dallas answered some questions for me today. I really was not a believer. And now I'm kind of like, all right, at least we know that offense is going to be awesome. Now, second big thing for me, this would be 1B. Tom Brady is another one where it's like, all right, he's the best quarterback of all time. He just won the Super Bowl, but he's now 44 years old. How do we know? See this with, you know, I remember the last couple of years with Kobe Bryant after he blew out his Achilles and kind of waiting for it to come back. And he gradually realized, oh, it's not going to come back. He's at a different point of his career now. Peyton Manning had that one good Broncos season. Then as his shoulder and his neck started to deteriorate, you're like, oh, well, he's at a different point of his career. We see this with all these guys. Drew Brees, it happened to. Brady looks better than he's looked at a couple years. He threw some deep balls. All of his deep balls were on point, on target, perfect. This was a guy the last couple years with the Pats where on deep balls, now you could say like, well, his receivers are better now. Well, I, I'm just telling you, like he he wasn't this accurate on deep balls and he wasn't flinging around like this. A lot of it with the Pats, especially those last couple of years, were very controlled, shorter throws, like very system-y. And he was very careful about unleashing it because he just wasn't accurate anymore. He has gone to another level. I mean, his fucking hair, he looks like Rick Astley. Did you see him in the subway ad? <laughs> what is going on? Guy... I, I guarantee you I had way more hair than Tom Brady in the end of the 2000s. And that guy now has more hair than I do. And I have a great head of hair. I'll be honest. Um, but his hair just, I, it, he's become an alien. I don't even know if he were the member of the same species. You know, we see actors where they figure out a way to look younger, like John Cusack, Matthew McConaughey. There's some hair chicanery. Obviously, Brady's had some hair chicanery, but he just looks fucking incredible. He looks like he's drinking um, from some water fountain that is filled with all of these nutrients and baby hemoglobin and um, legal HDH and TB12 liquid. And I don't know what to make of it. He looked awesome tonight. And I, you know, Dallas's defense isn't good, but man, he was moving around. I thought 
I just thought he was flinging it. His receivers let him down a couple of times. There's a couple of plays where the, 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 um, the D backs like just barely got a fingertip on plays that seemed like it was going to be a good play for Tampa, but he was 32 for 50. He had two picks. One of them was, wasn't great. The other was, was, you know, nothing you can do about it, but here's the thing with Brady. And we all had the same thought. Dallas doesn't put the game away. Brady gets the ball back under 90 seconds left. And you're just like, would you bet your life on Brady coming through here? Or would you bet your life against Brady coming through here? We're all betting our life on Brady still. And he's 44 years old. And it makes no fucking sense, you know? And this is something I think Belichick a few years ago just played the odds when they wouldn't extend him and give him the three-year deal and just make it a guarantee that he retired as a Patriot because at some point you have to look at it and go, there's no fucking way you're going to be able to continue to do this. And now he's 44. And my friend Hatch texted me about like, could Brady potentially have a third dynasty here? We're going to get to my Super Bowl pick with Peter Schrager. And trust me, Brady's going to be involved in that. But you think like the 01, 03, 04, he wins three Super Bowls in four years. They make the 2006 title game. They make the Super Bowl in 2007. That whole run is kind of an era. And then there's the second era where they make the Super, the 2011 Super Bowl and then in 2014 and 15 and 17, and he, he, they were in all the ones with the Pats where he wins three more. That's kind of an era. You wouldn't call either of them a dynasty, but it's a mini dynasty um, each time. And now he's in this situation with the Bucs where it's like they clearly have the best team in the NFC. I don't know about the running game. I mean, both sides. Zeke sucked today. If you're if you spent fifty eight dollars on your fantasy team on Zeke, you're probably having a stroke right now. I think this was just a weird game, but I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, panic on that yet. Fournette looked terrible. Um, Ronald Jones looked just as bad. Bernard, I think, is he was playing. He had one big catch there, but uh, people are saying he's not healthy. But um, playoff Lenny was not there tonight, and it seems like they're just going to fling him more now. On the flip side, Gronk looked as good as he's looked in a few years. Like near the end on the Pats, he was just lumbering. And now he looks completely refreshed. He was, I thought, really, 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 really effective today. Eight catches, nine yards, two touchdowns, but just looked, that looked like 2015 Gronk. I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, and then Ant Antonio Brown, five for 121, some big plays, and it felt like actually felt like he probably could add more. Godwin was nine for 105. He dropped that one long ball. He had a terrible uh, fumble that kept the game alive for the Cowboys. Evans, who yet again, doesn't seem like he's 100%, but he was the only one that didn't do anything. But um, the team's loaded. Brady's in a great spot. And um, it's just impossible for me to believe that it's 2021. I had Peyton Manning on my podcast last week. Peyton Manning's been retired now for... I don't know, five years. He just <laughs> got in the Hall of Fame. He's doing a Monday Night Football thing. Brady's his peer. They came into the league, I think, one year apart. He's long gone from football, and Brady's still going. I remember he always said, I think I can play till I'm 45. Well, maybe we should stretch that. Maybe he can play till he's 47, 48. There's no atrophy at all. It's a long season. I get it. He's going to take a couple hits at some point. I get it, but... From what uh, we saw tonight, doesn't seem like there's any atrophy. So, holy shit. Um, could this be his third kind of run? Like like big picture, multi-year run? Very possible. Um, 
I guess the only other question with this game is the Godwin push off for the uh, for the game clinching first down. It looked like a push off in the moment. I would have been shocked if they called that at that moment of the game for the home team. I also thought there was a lot of contact on both sides. When you watch the replay, it's like, oh, that was definitely a push off. And this leads to like, you know, if they had the ability to challenge these pass interferences, which I think it was two years ago they had that. I'm sure the Bucks, I'm sorry, the Cowboys would have challenged that. And I don't know, do they overturn that? Maybe. We we had that rule that year, and every time we thought something was going to get overturned, it never got overturned. So, you know, I go back to this. Did it feel like the right team won tonight? Yeah. Could Dallas have stolen the game? Of course. But when you think like the dumb turnovers Tampa had that just seemed to keep giving Dallas life over and over again, um, the fact that it just seemed like they could move the ball wherever they wanted, whenever they wanted. I thought Tampa was a better team and I thought Dallas was lucky to be hanging around. But yeah, if the if you get that push off call, Dallas wins the game. So, you know, back to the Dallas thing. You're feeling great. You showed up. You're gonna be really entertaining. You're gonna have another coach situation that's gonna drive you crazy week to week. You have more talent on one side of the ball than anybody else has on any side of the ball in their division. And week after week, you're going to be really fun to watch. And the C.D. Lamb thing is just a home run. He's really, really, really fun to watch. So great game all around. The only other thing before we get to Schrager, um, the only thing that's changed since we taped was that Gus Edwards blew out his ACL. And I was talking, I don't, I didn't think the Ravens, I didn't have them as one of my seven playoff teams. Um, I was wondering if there was some year from hell potential with them because they lose Dobbins. They have, uh, you know, Lamar has another COVID issue and the whole thing. And, and then they lose in the same practice, Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters. And it's just not, we've seen this before. We saw this with San Francisco last year. Every year there's a year from hell team. And I'm really wondering if they're going to be the year from hell team. So for playoff teams, this is who I had even before those two injuries. I had Buffalo, KC, Cleveland, Tennessee. I have New England, Denver, and the Chargers as my wild cards. So the, what happened today didn't change my feeling with Baltimore. I'm, I probably, people think I'm crazy. Like people think Baltimore is maybe the best defense in the league. They'll think maybe they don't feel as great about it after the Peters thing. I had in the West, Tampa, the Rams, Washington, and Green Bay winning the divisions. San Fran, Seattle, and New Orleans as my wild cards. And we'll get to the Super Bowl pick with Schrager in a second. But um, I just think Baltimore, sometimes it's not your year. And sometimes the signs happen in the preseason. I remember there was a Patriots preseason. when Back when we still had some talent in the 80s. And I think we lost three starters in the same preseason game. And they were good starters. And it was just like, oh, this team's got the stink on it. And I wonder if Baltimore has the stink. So anyway when we talked about all the uh, games and stuff, including Baltimore was in, we, we have the Raiders involved in uh, the long shot parlay of the week. This is before we knew about the Gus Edwards thing. I feel even, even uh, better about that one now, just like the Raiders having a chance to steal that game. It's all coming up next. Million dollar picks with Peter Schrager. Congratulations, Cowboy fans. I wish this was a Sunday night so we could talk to an agonized cousin, Sal, but we'll do that on Sunday night. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back, and do million-dollar picks and a whole lot more with Peter Schrager. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time, that's usually about five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, Peter Schrager is here from NFL Network, Fox, Good Morning Football. And uh, last year, he joined us a couple times for Million Dollar Picks, but specifically during the playoffs where we had one of the great runs of all time. People are still talking about it. Uh, sports documentaries might be made about it. So we're going to come back every Thursday. Peter's going to do Million Dollar Picks with me. We're going to figure it out. You can also play along with FanDuel, as we discussed at the top of this podcast. With Sal on Sunday, I did a whole bunch of uh, futures for Million Dollar Picks. So I'll post those on my Instagram so you can see everything we did. Before we get into um, the week one slate, which I love, there's a lot of juicy ones this week. Uh, any any last second futures you like? We're taping this before Bucks Cowboys. So um, the future should be available except for that by the time people hear it. In a season wide, or are you talking week one wide? What are we working with? Here? What are we, you tell me. What are, what are you targeting? I look at Kyle Pitts, and the more I talk with the guys in Atlanta, the more I think people aren't discussing what he's about to do. The all-time record for receiving yards for a tight end is Mike Ditka in '61, and he threw and he had like a thousand yards. I think Pitts might go fourteen hundred yards, fifteen hundred yards. So I feel like that's not wow. being discussed enough. I think he might have a monster season as far as futures go. Drafted him fourth overall, and he's the centerpiece of that offense. I think that's... I, I have him on two of my three fantasy teams, so I'm really, really, really excited to hear that. Yeah, you said Stafford was going to throw for a bunch of yards. As long as he's healthy, and Peter King put the number 6,000 out there on his column. Oh, my it's not God. not crazy. Like, I think they're going to throw the ball a bunch all over the yard. I think the Rams are going to put up a lot of points this season. So if you've got a Stafford future bet, I really like that one there. And then Jonathan Taylor is the other guy that I don't hear a lot about right now in Indianapolis where he was picking up a lot of steam at the end of the season. I'm not sure the odds on him winning the rushing title, but I know that Frank Reich's offense is heavily invested in Jonathan Taylor leading the way and creating opportunities for Carson Wentz in the passing game off of that. Well, I have some of this stuff for you. Jonathan Taylor rushing yards is 11 to 1, so you can still get that. How about, can I give you Kyle Pitts? I agree with you, by the way. I'm all in on that, dude. Kyle Pitts over under 800.5. And I don't like doing overs for rushing props, but we might make an exception in this case because basically he just has to stay healthy 
I don't see how he doesn't at least put up Kelsey stuff. The only thing I can think of against it is just how young he is. Like he's not even 21 years old. He can't drink yet. So if he has like you, you threw out 1400 yards, if he does that, this is one of the great young guy seasons in the history of the league. So that's the yeah. only thing that gives me pause. And, and the thing is, it's like, you, you want to say, all right, slow down. So they drafted him fourth overall and he's a tight end. Yeah. You know, that's never been done before in the history of the sport. And then they put in this offense and we'll talk a bit about the Falcons, I'm sure. But you know what he runs, Arthur Smith, you remember last year, it was a lot of Janu Smith and Anthony Ferkser. And they got <laughs> a lot of action, a lot of targets. Now you put in this generational tight end. Man, I love that we're talking football and we're jumping right out of the gates of Kyle Pitts talk. Let's go. Well, on FanDuel right now, over six and a half tight, uh, touchdowns for Kyle Pitts. Over. Basically all over. even. He needs all seven touchdowns in 17 games and you win that bet. I really like that one too. Can I zag on Stafford? Because I'm yeah, about yeah, yeah. to give you my Super Bowl pick. And I've uh, been thinking about him a lot. And then I was listening to... Mike and the Mad Dog had a had a wonderful reunion on uh, on Mad Dog Show, which I love. Everything's gambling now. All I, I see know. is DraftKings and FanDuel. Like, yeah, I loved it. Francesca <laughs> was out of a cannon with Mad Dog. He was great. He was talking about, he's like, people that, this is why college football took off. People are on TikTok. They're making bets. I'm like, I'm positive you can't make bets on TikTok. But Mad Dog zagged on Matthew Stafford, and I was so jealous of it. And he did it in the best Mad Dog with Mike way possible. He's like, hey, Mike, I mean, Hey, how many playoff games has he won? Because I can't remember one of them. I can't remember one playoff game, Mike. And, I, and I'm thinking like, so I went, I looked it up and it's pretty grisly. And there's a lot of six and tens, five and elevens. He's obviously had some injuries. He had some shoulder stuff. He's 33. I think, and I include myself, we're, we're making the mistake of just penciling him in. He's somebody I gave up on in, in Detroit a just because I felt did. like... He didn't have the weapons. He didn't have the right scheme. And I'm just not sure he's that guy that he was when he was 24 and 25 with Megatron. Um, so it, it was it was a healthy dose of, of water. But what makes you think that this is just going to be the all-time sports movie last 30 minutes run for him? Because they're all in on it. Like, they they don't have any other... Op- they're, in their eyes, like, this is the guy. And I know, I could tell you, I spoke to him when we were recording this here, but on Wednesday, they had a practice that was just kind of a last big practice with, with hitting and all that. And it was like the response from one of the coaches to me, and it wasn't McVeigh, but it was a different coach. Like Stafford's so dialed in, like, it's just such a different deal, dude. Like you don't, so health of course is one thing you could say it, but they've got five wide receivers that all five of them have been told, like, you're going to see action this year. And mm. it's not just Woods and cup and Van Jefferson who came on late last year, but Deshaun Jackson has a significant role in this offense. Tutu Atwell, the rookie who weighs about 140 pounds, has a significant part in this offense. Then the running backs, the way the game is played now, like and how they're going to do it, they're going to do a lot of five wide, but you'll see Henderson, you'll see Michelle, the other guy, and you'll love this name because I think he's going to play and get a lot of a lot of looks in this season, especially week one. Jake Funk, he wears number wow. 34, seventh round pick out of Maryland. Tore both ACLs in 2018 and 2019. 2020 has this crazy season for the Terps. No one thinks he's going to get drafted. They draft him, and he is like going to get action. So they have a three running back system here, five receivers, and the plan is for Stafford to throw it all over the yard. So I Jesus. picked him to win the Super Bowl. I put faith in that coaching staff. I put faith in that quarterback. But Mad Dog's right. Mad Dog also was very upset with some of the U.S. Open stuff and the way that. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, the way that Andy Murray was was monitoring bathroom breaks from his opponent. I love Mad Dog, by the way. It's just fantastic having those guys back together there. It was, I wish it happened more often. Okay, so we're going to add $3 million pick props to our future total that we'll realize at the end of the year. The first one, what do, what do you think about Stafford passing yards leader 13 to 1? I love it. Yeah, I'm in. Who's Who would be your biggest fear going against him for that? Josh Allen. And Herbert? No. Allen, Not Herbert Mahomes. as much? Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. We're putting 100K on Matt Stafford, passing yards leader, 13 to 1. We are going to put 100K on that. We're putting 100K on the over for Pitts, 800.5 receiving yards. And we're putting another 100 on Pitts, 6.5 touchdowns over. The reason I like both of those they're all in on Stafford. It's actually in McVeigh's best interest for Stafford to be awesome this year, right? <laughs> it He's, is. He, he, McVeigh wins, not just in football, but just in general, as like with the whole Jared Goff stuff, people being like, oh my God, he finally has a real quarterback. I had no idea. But plus like him betting on Stafford, they gave up picks for him. So he's invested and he's publicly in Stafford his, winning. He's put his name all over it where it's not like, well, let's need. No, like Sean will tell the first like I wanted this guy. So anytime you're out that far on a limb publicly and it's known that the head coach is the one who maneuvered to make this all happen. Yeah, he wants it to work. And yeah, he wants to put up crazy numbers. And now it's on the defenses to stop him. So we have that. We have the two pits ones, which I think is a similar logic where it's like they went all in. They drafted this guy for they left quarterbacks on the table, at least one of whom will be really good this year, Fields or Jones, maybe both. We might go two for two with guys that they passed on it for. They're going to want to show like, hey, we did this. This is, first of all, we didn't need Julio. We're better off with Pitts. And we think Matt Ryan, and it all leads to Pitts. There's a third bet I want to do that I want to put 100K on. This came from the Ringer Gambling Show. Love it. Which is fantastic. Warren Sharp, Ben Solak, they did a Wednesday pod. They did some bets. And uh, I'm just riding Solak on this one. He loves Zayvon Collins, Defensive Rookie of the Year, 13 to 1. And there's a really compelling case. Let me hear the argument because I know that team real well. Let me hear why he thinks Zayvon Collins, Rookie of the Year. That's a lot. Well, linebackers, because you can pile up the stats on line. This is Solak's case. You can pile up the stats, easily tweetable. They have Vance Joseph as the D.C., they're going to, he loves to blitz. So, you know, he's going to be blitzing. This is the guy they wanted the whole draft, right? This is, they, this is pencil him in, him and Simmons. Here we go. We're going to be attacking with our linebackers. So they're going to be invested in his success. And um, 13 to one are good odds. So we throw water on this. I'm going to throw water and it's going to be, I don't see it happening with, with the, with the quality different linebackers that are in this very draft. Micah Parsons plays for a far more decorated team. It's going to be on Mm. national television a lot more. It's going to be more well-known. And then Jeremiah Owosu-Karamoa from the Browns is on one of the best teams in the AFC, and he's going to be manning the middle for a lot of that. So as much as Zavin might have a good year, they're in a defense where there's two different inside linebackers, him and Isaiah Thomas, uh, Isaiah Simmons, who are going to be making tons of plays. And I just don't see the national spotlight or the success for like the Cardinals would have to be a really good. He'd have to be team. like Lawrence Taylor. You're saying, yeah, I just don't see him being that guy right out of the game. All right. That's you it. talked me out of it. How about yeah. Barmore at 50 to one? I love Barmore. Did we talk about Barmore <laughs> on the podcast yet? Second round. We, well, we, you mentioned in passing the last time how he completely decimated the Giants offensive decimated line. Decimated the Giants. And they're like whispering about him. But you, you've talked about it. It's not just 
okay, Uche is coming into his own and we get Hightower back. Like Barmore was blowing up offensive lines in these joint practices yeah. from, from all the teams that they played. And then also in the preseason game against the Giants, played 14 snaps and basically is in the backfield the entire time. Barmore, Patriots. I love the 50 to one. I'm not betting it because if he even gets a whiff of possibly winning the award, Belichick will play him like 15 plays in week 15. Shut to try it to down. Throw yeah, he's, there's Shut no way. He doesn't like awards. There's one more bet I want to do. So we're going to do $3 million pick futures. Stafford passing yards, 13 to one. Pitts, 800.5 yards over. And Pitts, 6.5 TDs over. 100K in each. It's time for my Super Bowl pick. Are you ready? Kyle. Turn the fucking camera on. I'm about to go narrative on you. I've seen everybody else's picks. I had a pick in my head. The Rams got a little too popular. Kind of scared me off. I'm with you. I, look, I took the Rams. I saw Peter King take them on Monday. Then I saw the rest of the media take them. I'm like, I don't want to take the Rams if everyone took them. That's not, that's not fun. But yeah, let me hear. I'm, I'm fascinated to see where you're going. The Bills also got a little too popular. I was looking at them for a while. Who, what was your final pick? Was it Rams Chiefs? I went Rams over Chiefs. Rams over Chiefs. So I've seen the Chiefs as well. They fixed their offensive line. I'm thinking about last year and how it might relate to this year. So what happens last year? Tom Brady leaves the Patriots. He finds a new team. He has some, some struggles in the first eight weeks. They kind of get their shit together a little bit by December and they make this great run in the playoffs. They have a ton of talent and they somehow steal a Super Bowl that if you go back and you look at it, the Saints easily could have could have beaten them if tight end doesn't drop it. Um, Casey's offensive line injuries, all this stuff with Andy Reid's family. Like there's a lot of things that go into play where it's just for four weeks, they run the slate and everything works out and it's great. Then they bring everybody back. It's the same team, but now they've had a full year of Brady. He's indoctrinated in the offense. It's his team. He's the leader. There was that great video clip the other day of him. Um, just kind of laying out all the problems with the rules. Did you see that about the yeah, rule talking changes? Talking about defense and the way the rule changes. And, oh, you know, it was it great. Was, that was like the smartest two two minutes, 30 seconds I've heard from him in like 10 years. But it, but the other guys are just, he's with like, I think Mike Gronk, Evans. Levante and David. Gronk, Mike yeah, Evans. yeah, and Levante David. And they're all like in awe of him. And I do think that's like Brady's team. And I don't think you can sleep on like, maybe they weren't meant to win last year. Maybe this was the year they were supposed to win, but they kind of stole last year's a year early right? This was the year they were supposed to be awesome. You get Brady for a full year. They managed to keep all their guys. It's amazing. I know they're the favorite in the NFC, but I actually think they might be really great. Now, the irony of this is I'm, it's, right now it's 11.15 in the morning Pacific time. They might lose to the Cowboys today. I'm going to look like an idiot. I don't care. I think the Bucks make it, but now we're going back to narratives. He leaves. He wins the Super Bowl. We've had this Brady-Belichick thing going on for 20 years. Who is more responsible? Who is Please more tell me you're not going with, this is Who, crazy. Just, just wait. Who is more responsible? Who is more responsible? Brady leaves, he wins the Super Bowl. Belichick goes seven and nine. Terrible year. Multiple guys opt out. Cam Newton bets awful. As Francesca said on the pod, competitive guy, gets his place in NFL history way more than I think anybody realizes and cares about it way more than anybody realizes. Let David Halberstam follow them around for a year for a book. Let Michael Hawley follow them around for a year for a book. Let NFL films follow them around for that football and education documentary. Participated in the NFL films. 100 went to Mount Laurel in a shirt and tie and recorded seven episodes talking about players from the 1930s. Yes. Right. He gets history. He cares. 
cares about this whole Brady thing. Goes all in this year. Spends like he's in Vegas on a bender after he just won the lottery. Get, fixes the defense. Has the best draft that he's had, I don't know, in eight, nine years. They, they had one of the best drafts in the history of the Belichick era. They let, they landed three legitimate blue chippers, I think. Barmore, no, Ramondre right. Stevenson, and Mac Jones. Gets a quarterback. Now he has this quarterback they can do all this stuff with. And best of all, Peter Schrager. Yeah. He's back to where he needs to be. He's the underdog. <sighs> He's looking up. He's looking up at the big, powerful Buffalo Bills. Oh, how are we going to beat those guys who, by the way, have never made a, a Super Bowl with Josh Allen? Oh, how are we going to beat the Chiefs who, by the way, they went into Arrowhead and beat the fucking Chiefs. Oh, the Browns. Oh, okay. Bring, bring the Browns on. You think he wouldn't love to play the Browns in the playoffs? He's been waiting 20 years. I love the narrative possibilities. They get the wild card. We'll give the Bills division, but the Pats get the top wild card seed. Browns, round one. His old nemesis, the team that fired him. Into takes Cleveland. Them, takes them out. KC, two seed, round two. Eight point favorites. Oh, little reminiscent of 2001. How are they going to beat this pit, explosive Pittsburgh offense? This 13-point underdogs, rookie quarterback. They're not going to beat Kansas City in Kansas City. Takes them down. <laughs> round three. Round three at Buffalo. Division rival. What team does Belichick own? I mean, I think, like, I think he's He 20... actually pays rent and house taxes on Buffalo. That's how much he's owned them over 20 years. 20 Bills, years. Bill's now like a three-point favorite in the AFC title game. A lot of and Belichick's Mac Jones looking is getting better and better. Every yeah, yeah, week. he's feeling he's he's getting his. Now there's all the 20th anniversary of of uh, the 2001 run with Brady. Wow, look at these parallels. This is nuts. Oh, who's waiting on the other side? Tom Brady also in the NFC title game. Wow, look at this. Now people are like, I should take Buffalo. They're only laying three at home. They went 14 and three this year. I'm now terrified of Belichick. Guess who wins? Patriots figure it out. They start wondering, Josh Allen's never played in like a game like this, but Mac Jones has all those Alabama wins. They right. won game. <laughs> right. Mac Jones, the Mac Jones 2021 versus Tom Brady 2001 parallels in full swing. Beat Buffalo. Tampa takes care of business against the Rams. And then? And we have the showdown. Patriot, <laughs> Patriots Bucks. Kyle, yeah, in. Kyle. Patriots, Bucks, it's all on the line. Who was really more responsible? This is it. Belichick has his chance to pull the narrative back. Brady has his chance to prove it was him all along. And this becomes the end of Godfather 2, basically. Oh, this and amazing. this is the biggest Super Bowl we've ever had. From a history standpoint, there's never been a better one. And I genuinely think the Pats have a chance. I think they're really good. I think their defense is really good. If they get Gilmore back for week seven, yeah. the running game they have, and I believe in Mac Jones, I think they're going to be able to block for him. I think they have a top five offensive line. Um, and the chips are kind of pushed into this year. So that is my Super Bowl pick. You didn't make a pick, though. The New England Patriots over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow. Boom. Wow. Kyle, get in here. Kyle, did the camera burn? Did, they, did, the, did the lens on the camera burn out? I just lost my voice. <laughs> By the way, 71 to 1 odds on FanDuel for Bucks Pats, the all-time... I've got a smile wide across. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't... 
I'm not a Marvel guy. What what Avengers movie is this? Where just like oh, they put all the stars in the same movie. Yeah. Uh, and whatever whatever movie that is, this is that movie for football. And here we go. Pat's Bucks seventy one to one. I am putting fifty k. Actually, you know what? I'm going to put yeah. I'll put I'll put fifty k. Pat's Bucks Super Bowl seventy one to one. That will be our last million dollar picks. Your thoughts, your reactions. What was it like to be there the last four minutes during that monologue? Do you, are you going to tell I, your grandkids? I mean, the way you told that tale, it was, it felt like a an FDR fireside chat. I was glued to the laptop. I'm like, <laughs> where is this going? What do, our nation needs this. A um, couple little wrinkles here. First Super Bowl in Los Angeles in like 30 years. The Hollywood aspect of it, I love it. You've got they're coming to us, Kyle. This is this is great. I love this. Um, and then you've got this whole other element of, okay, uh, once they start piling up some wins during the season, it's not just, are they going to make the playoffs? It's how far can they go? And then, you know, the confidence builds. And if they were to beat the Browns and, and then take on the Chiefs and then be able to go into Buffalo, like the confidence factor for the entire team is through the roof and Belichick coaches up. I love it. I'm not man enough to do it. I, here's the thing. In my world where it's everyday NFL talk, it's like a bold take. And I've been saying it. Hey, the Patriots, they're going to be better than the Dolphins this year. And I get crushed for it. And that's me just saying they're going to be in second place in the division. But this is why it's such a great roll the dice at 71-1. But I actually also believe it because this is what Belichick, he loves this. He loves being the underdog. He, He was never meant to be like the lead team in the league. This like scrappy rookies... Defensive identity, huge running game with multiple inter- interchangeable running backs. The rookie QB who has no ego yet. No who ego. Who just wants to be everybody's favorite teammate. Who's just going to listen to Josh McDaniels and do his thing. They have a little speed on the outside now with Aguilar. They have, they have some tight ends who can actually make a play. I like both the tight ends. Um, Mike Giardi, who works on the NFL Network as yeah, a like, Patriots guy, for years worked at NBC Boston and all this stuff. He told me that like, you know, he's, Mac Jones almost has like his, the way he speaks, it's almost like a prepubescent kid, like his voice cracks and stuff. And he was like, all right, what do you think of the kid? And like Trent Brown was like, no, you don't get it. That guy's a dog. And Trent Brown's like a six, eight mauling tackle. And he's like, no, you don't get it, man. Mac Jones is legit. And I was like, I got me excited. I'm like, all right, what do we got here? Well, and that's, that goes back to the camp thing. Cause I've heard this from multiple people. People thought it was the COVID stuff. It wasn't the COVID thing. It was was too good. Mac was better. They knew Mac was the QB and Cam is a fucking famous person. Cam can't be the backup. Like he's a superstar and it, and he and he has a lot of he has a lot of like respect and love and admiration in the locker room. And at some point you just have to decide. By the way, Belichick did the same thing with Bledsoe in 2002. Brady won. He got Bledsoe the fuck out of there. Like you have to give the car keys to your guy. You can't have somebody hanging over who the moment the guy is but he's going to have a couple bad games. Brady had a couple really shitty games in 2001. Mac Jones will have a couple shitty games this year. That was the explanation that I got from that building right when it happened. And I was like, well, why not just keep him as a backup? And it was like, it's Cam. nothing against Cam. It's, it, there's no way that Mac can fully be the man in that locker room and fully be the leader and fully be the guy when an 11-year NFL veteran who won MVP and was the coolest guy for half the locker room growing up to watch play quarterback is sitting there behind him. It's just not it's not good for, for Mac. So... Cam Newton is absolutely is obviously the, you know, does, doesn't get the benefit from that, and he gets cut, and we'll see where he ends up with his NFL career. But they're all in on him, and I'll add another thing. You know, he was 
laughed at and ridiculed and and is not well liked in the greater Michigan area. But, you know, to bring Matt Patricia back and have him in behind the scenes mm. and now helping with a Gerard Mayo and helping with all the Belichick kids and now also being able to operate almost in a consultant's role that's full time and no one really knows what his title is, but Patricia's going to play a role. He has some defensive mastermind stuff to him that Belichick really trusts. Whether you think so or not from his Detroit years, there's a lot of faith in that building that their coaching staff right now is as good as it's ever been. And if for anyone who says this is a homer pick, which I know they will, they're right. I would encourage you to look at my track record over the last 20 years, being realistic about my own teams. If I feel like I have a good team, I you can't the fans know first. The fans know from following day to day, from whatever. They just they know and they also know when their team doesn't have it. Like I was killing the Celtics last year. It was so clear they didn't have it. That's when you're a homer, when you're like, oh no, no, they're gonna figure it out. It's like, no, this team's nothing's gonna happen with this team. This Pats team reminds me a lot of the 2000s Pats teams. This is like the 03 team where Brady Brady wasn't super famous yet. Their defense was excellent. They were really well coached. They had a bunch of different offensive players who could chip in, but no awesome ones. Like in 03, they, that, the year before they got Corey Dillon, it was a bunch of patch, RIP David Patton, um, but just a bunch of people that, um, you know, you wouldn't tell your grandkids about, but they all kind of knew what they were doing. They they all chipped in. And I think that's what this team's going to be like. Yeah. And Hightower is kind of that Willie McGinnis role where it's like you've got the the old sage veteran who can watch it over it all. Um, I I think you're crazy. I don't think this is the year for them. I love I it. They, I'm going to tell Belichick you think I don't even know him. I'm going to tell I, no, no, Schrager like, thought I, I was crazy. I love it. I, I do think there is something to saying as far as a 70 to one long shot. Like, yeah, why not? Because this is the year in the AFC where everyone's crowning Two teams that I don't think as a franchise, the Bills or the Browns, have had any modicum of success over the last 30 years. And it's a lot to get over the hump. And they, the Bills the really fell short last year, too. I mean, that game wasn't really that close against a team that didn't have an offensive line. They didn't. And in the Browns' case, to be crowned in July and August is almost uncomfortable. Now you have to actually go win the games. Um, one of those two teams is not going to be as good as they're being discussed. The Chiefs are just such the Chiefs a are awesome. They're no, that, so that, that's the team. I am afraid of the Chiefs more than the other two. I think what people are missing with the Pats in general is they have a bunch of blue chippers now. And it always, Lombardi and I always just talk about this. It always comes back to like, how many really good guys do you have? You really like on a football team, you need like eight to 12 well, kick-ass guys. Give me five of them. Give me five Patriots blue chippers that when you walk off the bus, you're like, oh shit, they have X, Y, because I don't see that. Who are the five You guys? don't see it? I think Uche definitely is going to be a blue chipper this going year. Going to be. Yeah, but I think it's going to happen this year for him. I think Barmore definitely. I think Gilmore when he comes back. I think um, at the offensive line, I'm just counting as like, if you That's have fair. a top That's five a line, unit. I'm counting yeah. that as one blue chip. I think the running back, same thing. I think the Harris-Ramondre thing as a combo. Like to me, I said this, the fantasy football show, they had uh, this take purge podcast where it was like all the takes they were afraid to say. And it was really good. It was funny. And my take purge is Ramondre and Damien is the thinking man's Chubb and Hunt. Chubb and Hunt, everybody's like Chubb and Hunt, Chubb and Hunt, Chubb and Hunt. It's like, these guys are going to be just as good as Chubb and Hunt. I'm telling you now, they're going to be just as productive. They're going to have the same stats, mark it down. And their offensive line is actually probably better. It's so, better than it was last year. They lost Tooney and everyone freaked out about that, but I think they did get better on the offensive line. Um, 
The running game. And then game. High, Hightower would be the other one. If he, he took a year off, that makes me a little nervous. But we'll see. But then Mac, it's all going to come down. If Mac's good, this team can absolutely play with all these other teams. And I, and then you throw in the coaching, the Belichick, McDaniels When does piece. Mac fully grasp it? How long does it take for him to adjust? And then if they can get hot, make the playoffs, any, anybody's ball game. Um, I love any the blue pick. chippers we left out? On the Patriots, J.C. Jackson can can hawk down a ball. He's pretty yeah. Good. I feel I like he's, he's an awesome. Chipper. He's an awesome number two. Yeah, I'll be I interested mean, to see how he does as the number one. Good player, and then that's the problem. Like they don't have a. I mean, we're talking about Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and. Chris but nobody Jones. can stop those guys. I know. I know. How you stop those guys like is it. with the D line like in the front shocked. seven. I appreciate that. And the thing that we get on the NFL network, Bill, which you would die. You get the guy come there and be like, they arguably maybe could possibly be the team to watch. And then when the picks come in, it's like, yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking bills. Your chiefs, bills, Fox. Rams. Yeah. And it's like, no, if you, if you think it, walk the walk, talk the talk and go own it, which you are. All right, we're going to take a break. Kyle, do, do you need time to hose down, have a cigarette after that? Or are you going to be good to continue? I already had one. I'm outside right now. <laughs> All right, coming back with Billion Dollar Picks. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, a award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60 day money back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is simply safe with two eyes, simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like simply safe. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, million dollar picks, week one. As always, we're gonna flag some games. And then circle back and make the picks. There's a really, really, really obvious tease this week. The Rams are favored by seven and a half over the Detroit Lions, who I think are going to be terrible. Like, actually really terrible. The Rams are favored by seven and a half points over the Bears. I don't think the Bears are going to be able to block the Rams. I don't see the Rams stumbling out of the gate with this team that's been built for success with all the Super Bowl hype, with the coaching advantages they're going to have in this game, McVay versus Nagy. Um, whatever, I'm sure it's going to be Andy Dalton to start. I just don't see a scenario where the Bears beat the Rams. I don't. I don't see a scenario where the Lions beat the 49ers. And it just seems logical to tease both of those lines down to one and a half. Um, 
I'm going to be more careful with teases this year in this podcast. This one, I look at it like, are the Lions beating me or the Bears beating me? I'm fine. I'm if if one of those teams beats this, I'll happily uh, take the money out of million dollar picks. What are your thoughts? I, I couldn't be more confident in a game than that San Francisco Detroit one. And I think San Francisco wins big with you. They had the worst defense in the league, the Lions last year, and they're going up against. Now Kyle Shanahan, who's had all his toys back this offseason, has spent the last three months preparing to unveil all these toys. And, you know, maybe Aaron Glenn, who's a former Jets corner and was a great defensive backs coach in New Orleans. It's his first game as a defensive coordinator. He's undermanned on defense. Mm. And he's going up against Kyle Shanahan, fully healthy, and that entire uh, offensive explosion. You add in the fact on the other side, Nick Bosa's back after missing 14 games last year. The 49ers had the number one defense of the past few years with all those injuries. All those guys are healthy. And like I've heard from a couple people on this game because it seems like it's the obvious survivor pool thing being like, yeah, but Jared Goff, Jared Goff knows that defense. Jared Goff Come historically on. could not beat that 49ers defense, even when it was other guys. And, and when it's Garoppolo, Goff is 0-3 all-time versus the 49ers when Garoppolo started. I think it's going to be growing pains for the Lions. I don't think they could have asked for a worse opponent week one. I see this as a blowout. And I think you're going to see a, a bit of Trey Lance. You might see Trey Lance five to ten times. And I'll tell you what, Aaron Glenn, first-time defensive coordinator, first game ever. He's going to be up all night the night before trying to think about how do I prepare for all this because the Niners are coming and they're not, they're not going to be relenting anything on this one. And then the Bears, I think their offensive line is really bad. It's really they bad. They need to get through a couple bad games with Dalton. Nagy was 7-1 to one to be first coach fired, which I already jumped on. I don't like the anything about the way the first few weeks of this shakes out. They got a week 9, I think a week 10 bye, which would be probably right around the time when they're like, all right, we're going to start over. It's the Fields era, and we'll get a new coach after the year. Um, and the Rams, one of the things I love about week 1 is like there's no surprises in week 1. There's no, oh, we, we, we were caught napping. Yeah. It, you and ready? you're talking two of the seven or eight best teams against two of the five worst in a tease. So mark both of those down. Can I, can I just, because I think everyone, and you're included on this, like, all right, they, they, they got a terrible offensive line. The other side of it, I, the Bears and the Rams have played a few times over the last couple of years. I think the last two times, the Bears, they scored 10 points one time. They scored seven points another. But then on the flip side of it, you know, the Bears, their mighty defense. And Khalil, Khalil Mack uh, was on the injury report this week. Robert Quinn was on the injury report this week. Yep. And I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm asking anyone at home. Can you name a few of the defensive backs on the Chicago Bears, their corners? The guy's names, it's Kendall Vildor. It's Jalen Johnson, who was a rookie last year. It's Xavier Crawford. It's Duke Shelley. This isn't Oof. the Kyle Fuller and Adrian Amos and all those guys who were just, you know, would give you fits with Charles Tillman or whoever. It's not the it's not the Bears defense, and you talk about matchups coaching wise. McVay, like Kyle Shanahan, has been preparing for this. Sean Desai is a defensive coordinator for the Bears. He's 38 years old. He's never been a defensive coordinator at any level. He used to be the defensive backs coach. He was a safeties coach. Like this is a big game, and they're unveiling this SoFi Stadium. They've got the live music concert. Every celebrity there. Like there's a lot of other things that come into play than just hey, X's and O's. I think the Rams run away with this one too. I'm with you. I think that's a great tease. And I sound like I'm just agreeing with whatever you say, but two out of two. No, no, two we, we're going to disagree later. And unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to throw this with the Bucks cowboys I thought that line moved to nine and a half by the time we're doing this. So maybe that line moved too high. We could have a seven point tease with it. But um, look, 
sometimes the teases write themselves. I think where you have to be careful is doing a tease every week, trying to force the tease. Like if the Rams were playing, I don't know, the, the Washington, I'd be a little more nervous. I'm like, all right, let's, we could talk ourselves into some Washington stuff, but with the bears, I cannot. All right. Five single games. We want to hit first one's Pats minus three at home over the dolphins. We don't need to hit this. I, I made the case for the Pats already. They're catching the dolphins at a nice time early in the two experience. Jalen Waddle first game. I think they're better than the dolphins. I actually think this is the year the dolphins take a tiny step back. And then next year will be the year they make the jump. There's some Flores stuff here. The dolphins have done good against the Pats over the years, but um, ultimately I just, if you believe in the Pats, you have to take them in this line minus three. So, um, unless you want to talk me out of that, I'm moving on. No, I feel the same. Interesting nugget here. Last time two Alabama quarterbacks ever faced off in an NFL game, 1983, Richard Ooh. Todd versus Kenny Stabler, the Saints. Oh my God. Kenny Stabler. Oh, the, the end of the line, Kenny Stabler. The Monday Night Football, Richard Todd and the Jets beat Kenny Stabler and the Saints. But yes. That's like when Nick Nolte was playing Kenny Stabler. <laughs> Next game, I wanted a flag. I'd like the Chargers in it, but I, it, it might be a stay away. It's Chargers are minus one over Washington. It's in Washington. And this is more, uh, I just like the Chargers, but I'm also scared of Washington. Let's, let's talk it out. I want to make sure, because I do like the Chargers this year. I think they're a playoff team. And if you're a playoff team, you probably have to win this game. On the other hand, like I, Washington scares me. What do you think? Not a great matchup for the Chargers. They got to travel across the country. Obviously, it's early in the season. You rather do it now than later. But, you know, young offensive tackle Rashawn Slater, who's been praised and basically put in Canton this offseason by those who cover the Chargers. Like, this guy's mm. unbelievable. All right, Chase Young and uh, Montez Sweater coming. And so are Jonathan Payne and uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen and Matt Ioannidis and the rest. So, like, I, I think Washington's defense is going to come out ready to go. They were so good last year, week one against the Eagles. I think this might be a rude awakening for a new offense with the Chargers and also a new tackle in Slater, who, by the way, handled Chase Young two years ago in college. And that will be a point of emphasis, I'm sure, when Northwestern played Ohio State. But I just feel like this front is going to be coming and it might be a lot early on for a new Chargers team with a new head coach and a new offense. Slater over Sewell, 13th pick versus the 7th pick. It seems like the Chargers won that one. And that was a big pick because... They could have easily traded down. People wanted Mac Jones. They're trying to leapfrog the Patriots. Like they easily could have traded down, but they love the guy. And it seems like they got the right guy. They rebuilt their offensive line this offseason. And Lindsley's the center, of course, who's the highest paid center in the NFL when he got that deal. And it's like, all right, we got to protect this guy, Herbert. I just feel like there's not going to be many offensive lines that are going to be able to hold up against that defensive line. And this is the first... Yep game of a new offense. So low scoring game to me. And in a low scoring game, I think Washington is to stay away. Find a way. Yeah. I do like there's a school of thought like Washington's defense. Are we sure they're good? And you go through all their wins from last year where their defense looks good. And it's like a bad quarterback just about every game. But I thought they look good against the Bucs. I, you could make a case. They played the Bucs better than anybody in the playoffs. Uh, all right. We're crossing that off. Next one. The Vikings are favored by three in Cincinnati. I don't love this Vikings team. I'm a little afraid of COVID, Kirk. Who knows? Like we make this pick on Thursday and who knows on Saturday, there's some something crawling across ticker. I just think the Bengals are going to be bad. I have, I already bet they're under for uh, under six and a half. Burrow to me in the preseason, lots of people have talked about this. When you ha- you're coming back from that knee injury, there's still, and I remember with Brady in 2009, same thing. You, that Those first couple games of those guys bouncing around and rolling around near your legs, you're just never... 
comfortable. It takes a while. And then they add Chase. Uh, Solak did a great thing on the Ringer Gambling Show about Chase's over-under for receiving yards is way too high because normally, like Ricky receivers, the only way they're going to beat it is like Justin Jefferson last year where you're the only target, you know, for multiple games. But Chase was terrible in the preseason. Their second-round pick wasn't that great either. And I think their coach, who I know is the McVay coaching tree, but he he has not been impressed in the first couple of years. So this is just, to me, I look at this as what is this line three weeks from now? Is this line Vikings five and a half, three weeks from now? Wait, like, is there just value going against Cincy, even if it's a mediocre team playing them in Cincinnati? What do you think? I just don't know what we're getting from the Cincy offense yet, because I know they're really high on having those three receivers who, whether <coughs> Chase is, you know, drops the ball in preseason or not, he's the fifth overall pick. T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and they love Joe Mixon. And Burrow, I mean, he might be a little nervous out there, but he's never played that way in his life. He's fearless, and they say he looks great. So that offense could surprise us in that that game we watch on Sunday. And so, wait a second, Cincinnati's really good on offense. And Zach so maybe it's a stay away, because I, I don't love be. Minnesota. I don't either. That's the thing. I just don't know what we're getting. Now, what you would say you'd lean on here is you'd say, all right, Zimmer and Cousins, these guys have been there, done that. The Cincinnati guys haven't. So like you start week one, it's all right, we're going on the road. We're taking on the freaking Bengals. Let's go bully them around and let's go find a way to win this game with all our guys. I would stay away, though. I don't feel good about either one of those teams this year. I do have one quick story you'll love, though. Uh, Kyle Brandt, my colleague on Good Morning Football, is promoting another show of his that he's doing. He's doing a game show. And yeah. he said he went on Dennis Miller's like radio show, I guess. Dennis Miller has a radio show and it's and he's on there and he has no idea what Dennis Miller is going to ask. And Kyle's out of the gates. Dennis Miller's first question is, so what's the deal with Zach Taylor? <laughs> of all the questions. <laughs> oh my God, that's so weird. See, like Hundreds a Bengals What's the deal with Zach Taylor? What is that? Who is that? Why is he the... Like, and Kyle was laughing so hard that like, he prepared all day for a million questions from Dennis Miller. And Dennis Miller asks, what's the deal with Zach Taylor? <laughs> well, if that's a great one. I'm not surprised, though, that Dennis Miller, like red herring, first question. The thing with Minnesota, if you think they have any chance in this division, they basically have to win this game because their schedule is really tough. They it's have three really different hard. stretches. This is They have an easy game against the Lions. They have the Bengals. They have the Lions twice. Um, other than that, it's a hard schedule. So if you're out on the Vikings to do well this year, then you... then This is the game, right? Maybe take and, the three, but... And like um, Dalvin Cook and you know, all the players, I don't need to list players. Like they've got the better roster. It's just, I have no idea. I'm probably, st I'm staying away just because I want us to do really well. And I want us to just stay away. Let's Doesn't do meat right. and potatoes this year. I don't want to start throwing uh, Kirk Cousins. It'll be fine. I do not like this Bengals team. Maybe there's time to bet against them. We'll next get, week. We have our chances on that. Yeah, but let's time. feel, we we'll feel good about our tees. We feel really good about the Patriots. What else we got? Falcons minus three over the Eagles. Hmm. There's been some slight eagle buzz. They might yes, they might have lucked out with their seventh round left tackle. They look like they're gonna they look like they're gonna have a pass rush. People like their receivers. There's some Miles Sanders. If you got him for twenty bucks in your fantasy league, it might have been a steal, or you might have paid ten dollars too much. But he's been discussed. Um, I don't. The new coach. I think I'm out. Mm -hmm. I definitely makes me nervous for the first week, and then you flip it around with the Falcons. Arthur Smith, ready to be a coach. Falcons, a little underrated. We're buying into the Falcons narrative of, hey, I think this team is a lot better than maybe people realize. I think they have a chance to make the playoffs. I'm in on some Falcons bets. They're home. They're only laying three. They got the Bucks week two at Tampa. 
And then they go at Giants, home Washington, and then the Jets in London in a bye week. If you're making the case for the Falcons, you have to be four and one coming out of those five, I think. So they have to win this game. I think they're better than the Eagles. And, you know, you talk about coming out of week one, what are the narratives? What are you and what are you and Kyle and Kay Adams? And you don't have a, a fourth co-host yet, but whoever that person is. Do you have a co-host yet? We're rotating. Rotating. We're doing Jeopardy. Yeah. Doing Jeopardy. All right. Yeah. I hope you have better luck than Jeopardy did. Yes. Um, what are the narratives coming out of Sunday that you guys are excited Monday morning? I think Pitts could be one of them. This could be like the, oh shit, Pitts. Jesus. I said, I said on Tuesday's Good Morning Football, they said the one player after 300 and whatever days of not having football or 170 days, who's the one player you will actually like tune on Sunday ticket and be like, all right, it's one o'clock. I got to watch. I said the one player to me is Kyle Pitts. I want to see it because we did so many draft shows and I talked to so many GMs and all of them raved about this guy. Like what so if, if he's he, Kelsey already? Like if he's once in a generation and it, it, like then we're going to have the opportunity to watch him this week. The Sirianni thing is interesting because I was originally out also because I didn't know him well and I still don't know him well. Um, I've gotten to know him the last couple of weeks and we had him on our show and we will know what these veteran Eagles think of their head coach the first half of this game. If they come out flat, this season's done. It's whatever. If they come out house on fire, like everyone's in. This guy is like, he is a motivational speaker and i know you saw some of the stuff about the he is rock I, the rock I saw paper, the opposite scissors. yeah i'm telling you you saw that rock paper scissors you see some of the rambling press conferences you're like all right now his whole deal is like yeah i did rock paper scissors and yeah you know what i i also played horse with the guys you know why because i want to see what they got inside of them i want to see what they want to compete and if yeah. i'm on a zoom interview with a combine prospect i don't give a shit about how he is in the three four i want to see how he plays rock paper scissors and how he handles losing to me i'm like okay let's go and then his whole thing is They've had all the season. And he's like, we have a 17-round heavyweight match coming. This is literally what he told me. He's like, our first battle, and we've got to get through 17 rounds, are the Atlanta Falcons. Basically putting a picture of like Matt Ryan up, bringing up boxing analogies. Like this is old school coaching. Like one of this is not, this is, hey, I want to run through a wall. Are you with me? And a lot of these veterans who've already got Super Bowl rings or you're a Brandon Graham or a Lane Johnson or a Jason Kelly might be like, dude, who the fuck is this guy? Like, it might not right. resonate. Or they're like, wait, we this guy's got it. Let's go. Because he's never been a play caller before. His defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, very highly respected, has never been a coordinator. Like, there's a lot of question marks about the Eagles and what Jalen Hurts, do we really think Jalen Hurts is going to throw for 500 yards? Like, There's a lot of obvious glaring question marks. The only... X factor is whether this team responds to this coach who is a lot and it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of enthusiasm and it's a lot of us against the world. He kind of embodies Philadelphia. I'm curious to see how they come out the first half. I would say I would bet on Atlanta in this one if I'm making a pick just because I, I got better reliability on what I know what I'm getting the other side, but Philly could be a fun watch this year if they get hot. I'm buying the Atlanta narrative. And I think if you're buying it, you have to pick them in this game. I also, I'm not a Jalen Hurts guy yet. Nor am I. I'm I'm not sold on from what we saw last season that this guy is like the answer. I still feel like we could see Minshew. I asked Sal like to set the line. Is it week six, week seven? We were like week six and a half. Could we is Minshew in there by then? I'm just not sold on the Hurts thing. I don't. I think people were confused come when he was coming out of college. Um, I think now that teams know he's the guy and have full weeks to plan against him. I just want to see it. I'm not against him. I'm not for him. But I think pe people are penciling him in as he's just going to be really good. And I, we have no idea. He might be one of the five worst quarterbacks in the league. 
I think the Eagles put their faith in him this season, but they also have two first-round picks next year. And then if Carson Wentz plays 70% of his snaps, they have a third first-round pick. I think the Eagles are all in on Jalen Hurts until they're not. And then it's okay. Next year, we have all these draft picks. Right. Let's, we're let's we're kind of sort of all in. Well, the other thing, what's the, what is the cap hit this year? They were $27 million short yeah, for they, this year's roster. Yes. Like that has to factor in. They're playing with 80% of a salary cap. So I like the Falcons. I, I think they're going to be really fun to watch. All the signs, as we've talked on other pods, all the signs point to them breaking out. And then the last one that's a straight up Broncos minus three. Okay. Let me hear your reasonings for the Denver Broncos to go into New York on a 430 game where the Giants fans have not been in the stadium for 18 months and are going to be absolutely nuts. Where is your, how do the Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater come out with this one? Let me hear. I like their defense. Okay. Sertan is an absolute stud. They lucked out on that one. Javante Williams. Okay, let's talk about him. Two of my three teams. I didn't get him last night in my weird East Coast League that we booger eaters round by round draft. He's on my other two. They know he's good. They iced him the last game they even played. He's very They're good. just like, we're penciling. People are taking Melvin Gordon in these drafts. It's like, good luck, man. He's Javante Williams is going to be the guy. They know he's good. Like, go read the stories, the quotes. It's the same as like the Mac Jones stuff. The teammates talking about him and the coaches, like they have something with him. Their receivers, I think, are going to be excellent. We're very high on Judy. Both of us are very Judy, high on Jerry Judy. The Judy Sutland Hamler combo. And then Teddy Bridgewater, I think he's fine. He's like a B minus. He's like it's a not B. not going to lose you games. Yeah. And then you flip it around with the Giants, like the Daniel Jones combo with the offensive line. I don't think Barkley's ready yet. It's the elephant in the room. It's like, is Barkley 100%? Is he 90%? Is he 84%? It's 80%. I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting with them. They have these new receivers. That always takes a little time. Who have not played. The only thing that worries me is just like, I think Judge got them to play hard last year and got them to stay in game. So maybe this is a push, but I think the Broncos are better. I have the Broncos as a playoff team. They're not making the playoffs if they lose to fucking Daniel Jones. So Broncos minus three. Talk me out of it. I'm going to talk you out of this. I live in New York. I've lived in New York for 15 years. Sunday... There is a 9-11 20-year anniversary that is going to be so emotional for so many people in this market. And the Giants have not been in that building for 18 months. They will be in that building finally with the people that they grew up with sitting next to as season ticket holders who they have interacted with for generations that they did not get to see last year. Before the game, there's going to be a tribute video. Steve Buscemi, who is a former firefighter and actor, is narrating it. The uh, national anthem is being sung by Juliet Candela, who lost her father in 9-11 and does a lot of these 9-11. She is often the person singing the national. I think this Giants home crowd is going to be in such a frenzy and that this Giants team, I got goosebumps talking about it, is going to feed off this so great in a big game, in an era where there is optimism around this team that I don't think they will find a way to screw the pooch. I feel like the Giants are winning this game. I might take the Giants, not against the Broncos. I might take the Giants against anyone. I think that place is going to be nuts on Sunday. Emotional to start the game and then rocking during it. If you're a Giants fan listening, I know you're saying, I'm all right, let's go. You know, I just feel like that stuff does play a role. And these fans have not been to the stadium in so long. And I know you have Warren Sharp and the PFF guys. This one is sheer emotion. I think Giants win. Can you have that kind of emotion in a four hour football event anymore with the way, you with how sterile right. these, <laughs> with how sterile these stadiums are. I'm with you on all this stuff, but I think we see over and over again, you have that emotion. 
This is really cool, by the way. Now it makes me feel bad that I want to take the Broncos. No, 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 no. You feel no, the emotion before the game the and you feel it. How the, the game operations are going to work. But like, I, I do honestly think that this place is going to be nuts. And it's going to be a religious experience for a lot of people to be back in that stadium. And the, the football matters so much to these Giants fans. It's not, it's a parochial team where it goes back generations since the 20s and like, to have these people kept out of that stadium, I think it's going to be. I don't. I can't see them booing Daniel Jones in the first quarter after that. The start of this game. It's a really solid case. I look at um, the offensive line. <laughs> You're like much more rational. You're like, yes, but can Matt Pert out of UConn stop? Well, Bob I'm Miller? just. I'm just going to list you three things I don't trust at all. The offensive line I know is bad. Daniel Jones, I'm convinced is bad. I think. I think this will be the final year for him. And you can't tell me Barkley's healthy. I don't know what Barkley's health is. And I'm very, very well spoken. Like, would you Giants be shocked football. if he didn't play week one? I would I would not be shocked if okay, how about this? I think he's gonna play week one because we're recording this whenever and we'll find out and I'll know more as the day goes. But they play a game on Sunday and then they play the Redskins or the Washington football team on Thursday in a quick turnaround. I, there is a Oof. theory out there that they just say, Barkley, we'll, we'll keep you stashed to week three and we'll go from there. See, I think they're 0-2 after that. All right, long shot parlay. We need, we're going to do this every week, for, always for 50K. So the anchor team, our choices for our anchor team that we'll put with one other team is either the Raiders plus 185 on Monday night against the Ravens. To win straight up? They have to win straight up. We're, we're taking a flyer. We're just throwing it on this. Or... The Browns plus 220 against KC. That line has moved. It started at six and a half. It's moved to six. It's moved to five and a half. A lot of sharps are on the Browns. Yeah. Uh, Turn Matthew is battling a COVID situation. He's been vaccinated from what I'm told, and he might not be on the field because he can't get two straight days of a negative test or 10 days of no symptoms. So that could be a big X factor why the line might be moving. Browns have confidence against them. They played them last year. So um, who do you like as the anchor, Raiders or Browns? Or do we just throw them together? No, no. In that one, I, I got to say, I have Mahomes is 10-0 and 0 in September and has thrown 32 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. Like, Andy's been drawing it up. I, it's I not fun to bet against Mahomes either. It's, it's not, not fun to bet against Mahomes, Tyreek, and Kelsey. And I don't see them losing. Not enjoyable. I think okay. the Raiders are a little more fun, and I have no idea what we're getting from that team this year. So if you want to throw a wild card out there that's, eh, crap, it's Monday night, let's watch it. Raiders. So Raiders plus 185. Ravens, um... You know, the Gus Edwards, Tyson Williams, is that his name? Tyson Williams, nice. I got yes. one right. I'm getting That's better good. at names, miraculously. Uh, I did, their receivers are in weird shape. There's another deal, too. Gus Bradley's the new defensive coordinator for the Raiders. And a couple years ago, Lamar was the hottest thing in football. They go to the playoffs, and Gus Bradley was the Chargers defensive coordinator. They go into Baltimore and just shut him down. They play again. Gus Bradley shuts him down. Like the Chargers defense always handled Lamar pretty mm. well. And now he's with the Raiders. And if anyone's got the keys to stop Lamar, it's Gus Bradley calling the shots. All right. It's worth a flyer with somebody else. So our choices are Steelers over Bills plus 220, probably staying away. Texans over Jags plus 164. And just the classic, both these teams are bad. Anything can happen. Why is anyone favored game? Or the Saints playing in Jacksonville over Green Bay plus 166. So if you put that together, if you put the Saints with the Raiders, it's plus 655. Yeah. If you put the Saints with the Jaguar, with, I'm sorry, the Texans, it's plus 620. Hmm. Yeah. 
the Saints thing is interesting because they've been practicing in 100 degree heat all summer and then they're going down to Jacksonville where it's going to be 100 degree heat. If they had played in the Superdome, it would have been air conditioned. So it's almost like this might be an advantage for the Saints to be playing in this heat. I just can't see Jameis and them playing without their home crowd in front of them and winning over Aaron Rodgers. I just don't see that one. The game before that is interesting. Texans versus Jaguars. Texans, everyone, the pooper bowl? Everyone's just writing off the Texans, and I don't think yeah. they're anything special, but I have no idea what we're getting. No, new head coach, new From a talent standpoint, the teams are both bad. It's not like one team is more talented than the other. You know, last year, I think the uh, Jaguars beat the Colts week one and lost 15 straight. Like, week one's... Week one is a fickle beast. I I wouldn't be shocked if the Texans won that game. All right. We're going to take a break and then we're going to rattle off the million dollar picks. A Raiders Texan parlay. (laughs) Million dollar picks for week one. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day of work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that, made with high quality ingredients like seasoned slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, When you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, the million dollar picks for week one. We're going to, we're going to sprinkle a little more. We're going to go above the million this week. We're getting a little, just cause it's week one. We're going to have fun. 49ers minus seven and a half over Detroit Rams minus seven and a half over the bears. We are teasing those teams together down to minus one and a half. Both of them have to win by two or more. We're putting 500 K on that. If it loses, you lose 550. So 550 to win 500 49ers Rams tease. And then we are putting 200 K. On three games, two of which you like, one of which you were going head to head on. Pats minus three over the Dolphins. Falcons minus three over the Eagles, aka the dawn of Kyle Pitts. The Kyle Pitts era. The Kyle Pitts era beginning. And then finally, the Broncos minus three over the Giants. I think the best outcome for all of us here is a push where we're both right. We don't have to go next week. I, I told you, blah, blah, blah. I think I'm going to be right. If Barkley was 100%, I'd be more nervous than this. I just don't think the Giants are going to be able to move the ball. So I'm going Broncos hey, minus three. You might very well, we'll be see. right. Mine's all emotion. Yeah, yeah. No, yours it's, is, it's mine's heart. Yours is mind. The long shot parlay of the week, which we're going to be putting $33,000 on this year, every week, in honor of the man, the myth, the legend, Larry Bird. 33000 Raiders have to beat Baltimore. They're plus 185 Monday night. 
We didn't talk about the Vegas stadium Monday night. Weird shit happens. Monday week one, we've had a lot of weird upsets over the years. Lamar deciding fantasy leagues, but then having a bad game, like the whole bunch of things that could happen. And we're going to parlay that with the Texans to beat the Jaguars plus 164. I don't know why anyone's favored in this game. Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? So that is Taylor. He's won a lot, a lot of worse games in his life. Let's go. So that's plus 620, which I think if you multiply 33 with plus 620, that's right around 200K. So those are the million dollar picks for week one. I think this could be a strong start for us. It feels really good. Feels good to be back. Oh my God, does it ever. Thank you. Um, All right. Anything else we want to hit before we go? No, this is it. I'll be on Fox NFL kickoff, 11 a.m. Eastern. Flying out to L.A., Bill, every week. Getting back into the mode. Here we go. Time to Oh, just... you're, do- you're doing the L.A. trips again. I'm doing it. Every week, I'll be on a plane. I'll be going. I will be wearing seven masks, and we'll just go to work. Let's go. Oh, well, we might have to have dinner one of those I times. We should. All right. Peter Schrager, a pleasure, as always. It's great to have you back. Million-dollar picks. Don't forget, you can play against... Not play against us, but you can play with us on FanDuel. They have a whole million-dollar pick set up. I don't, do you know about the bad quarterback league we created on FanDuel? I heard about way? it in your latest podcast. I think it's hilarious. It's amazing. They have it by tiers. Before we go, I'm going to read this to you. This is so um, good. They have, they have it by tiers where you basically have to pick one guy from each tiers. But what's interesting is how they did the tiers. So it's tier one, tier two, you got to pick like one of five guys. Tier two, pick one of five guys. Tier three. So tier one's the worst tier. It's like the marquee it's bad so quarterbacks. Good. Here were the five they picked. Can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah. Okay, so it's the five worst quarterbacks based on their ratings. Yes. Starting quarterbacks. Okay, so I would say they're going to throw in Tyrod Taylor. Did not make it. He was tier really? two. Yeah. All right, I'm yeah. done. What else we got? Who, who do they got? So they put Mac Jones in there, which I was personally offended by. I think FanDuel like, just wanted not to hurt believers. me. Daniel Jones, obvious. I mean, some are saying he's going to be the 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 leader of this this year. Andy Dalton had to be in there. Jared Goff, I think, was another one who locked him down. And then the fifth one was Bridgewater, which I thought was strange. I I I put I would have put somebody from that Houston Jacksonville game. I would think, right? Yeah. So it goes through, and then tier six was like Mahomes, Josh Allen, and all that. But it was just seeing the tiers. I was wondering if like the players might get fired up. Like Teddy Bridgewater's like, I'm tier one. I'm with Daniel Jones. What are we doing? We do that nonsense NFL 100 like thing, and the players get so we do the mad. Oh, they get the so players, mad. The players get so mad. They should know about this. Yeah. Um, all right. Check that out. Bad quarterback league as well on Fando. Peter Schrager, great to see you. See you next week. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. That's it for the podcast. I'll be back with uh, Sal on Sunday night. Guess the lines for week two, as well as a week one recap. This podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton. Have a good weekend. See you Sunday.